Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Been with us, you know that we have been in a series going through Kings, um, lessons from the Kings. We come to King Asa this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're in Second Chronicles, um, chapter fourteen. If you want to open your Bible, there's a Bible underneath the seat in front of you as well. I encourage you to follow along. Um, we're all about the paper Bible today. Um, less distractions. So, um, just encourage you with that. This morning, um, I want to dive in. I'm going to just kind of really jump in here this morning for the sake of time. Um, are we fighting for faith? Um, this whole idea of faith and what is it? How do I nurture it? How do I grow it? And the reality is that faith, folks, is not faith unless it's tested. It doesn't. We don't mature in our faith um, unless we're put under a test. Unless we have to really test what we believe. Do we have faith? And, um, and ultimately, unless we do hard things, unless my faith moves me to step out in faith and trust God, then um, this faith just becomes kind of a statement of faith. Just some little things. This is what I believe. Rather than this beautiful, powerful thing, which it is, it's a gift from God, Ephesians 2. It is what makes this powerful connection, awakens, right, somehow mysteriously, right? It is this thing that our spirit and the Holy Spirit come into fellowship inside us when we're saved and we have faith. In other words, our eyes are opened and we are brought into this glorious, abundant, gracious relationship with God, right, through Jesus Christ. And so I want to take a look at Ace's life. Um, we got three lessons again, like we do every Sunday. I'm going to roll through these because I want to get to the last one um, and, and kind of camp out a little bit. So, um, Second Chronicles. Also, um, I'm going to just run through the, the three lessons. This is Lesson 19. We're on Lesson 19 already this summer. Out of all these, we'll go Lesson 19 through 21 this morning. Um, every week I give you a whole bunch of passages. I hope you'll take these. If this is too much, you can take a picture. Um, also, if you get our Monday email, all of these notes are out there um, as well, as well as you can watch um, the video again if you want to. I encourage you to dive in. As we always say, don't take my word for it. Don't take any podcaster. Don't take anybody's word for it. Because you need to trust your pastor, hopefully. But you dive in. God wants to speak to you. The Holy Spirit wants to illuminate your eyes with the Word of God. God wants you to pursue Him. He wants a relationship with you. No intermediary, no priest, no one going between you. There's only one mediator between us and God, and that's Jesus Christ. And He has torn the veil. The gospel has shed blood. He opens up the most glorious thing in all the world, which is God wants to know you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to speak to you. And so you pursue the Lord, and we are here to be the body, the family of God that push each other on for everything God has for us. Right? I uh, was in my office. I have a big map of the world in my office. <clears throat> and it just struck me this morning. I was For some reason, I was just kind of looking at the world as such. Right? And... And uh, I was overwhelmed as I started going over all the crud going on in the world, from nation to nation. And then it was just like God just, he, he just hit me out of the blue with this idea of, can you imagine looking at the world, just a map of the world, and not having the confidence that there is a sovereign, loving God in charge of everything? And if you're watching this morning, you're here this morning, you're not sure where you're at with God, I give that to you to think about. I mean, can you imagine going through life 
with everything going on in this crazy world of us and craziness through history and not ever having the assurance that, man, this vast universe, all of this stuff going on, this little planet that we know of is the only one with life on it, so far at least. And that what, what makes all this... And to not know there is someone good and loving behind all this. How do you make sense of love and family and, and dreams and forever inside your heart? It makes no sense at all. And folks, this is why the Lord has sent Jesus. Uh, to just affirm all these wonderful promises. And we're going to look many um, this morning. I encourage you, if you're, if you're wrestling with that, Man, we'd love to engage you. We'd love to talk to you. Don't, don't just let it pass over your head. There is nothing more important. If you break out a map and you look at the world and you have no confidence, there's a sovereign God who's working a grand plan and He's good. And if you don't have that confidence, it's a scary world. And eternity gets even scarier. And death is really scary, Right? And boy, the world has all kinds of numbing things to keep us from really thinking about right those, those big things. So with that said, I want to dive in. Hope you'll dive into these passages. First lesson from King Asa. So let me just read for us this morning, chapter um, 14. Um, what's happened, we are now the splitting of Israel, right? The northern kingdom is, is off um, Israel, the southern kingdom Judah, and Rehoboam, the son of King Solomon, now is, has, uh, has died, and he's turned it over to one of his sons who's died, Abijah, and that's, um, now we're with Asa in the southern kingdom. We are on a fast track now for the exile of God's people from the north by Assyria and from Judah with Babylon, and that prepares the way right into the New Testament uh, for Jesus' appearance um, to fulfill God's promises. So... Um, Chapter 14, let me just read this. Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Now Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his days the land had rest for ten years. Now listen. And Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. We very rarely hear that through all the history of the kings. And who can we say that about of modern rulers in modern history. He took away the golden, the foreign altars and the high places, broke down the pillars, cut down the ashram, and commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, to keep the law and the commandments. He also took out all the cities of Judah, the high places and the incense altars. And the kingdom had rest under him. And because it had rest, he built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. He had no war in those years, for the Lord gave him peace. And he said to Judah, Let us build these cities, surround them with walls and towers and gates and bars, and the land is still ours, because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought Him, and He has given us peace on every side. And so they built and prospered, and Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah, armed with large shields and spears, 280,000 men from Benjamin that carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. So, with that said, um, our first lesson we can pull, not just from King Asa, but through all of the story of the kings and the history of, of, uh, of, the, of, the, new t- of the Bible, is as kings go, so a nation goes. 
As the character of men go, so the culture and nation go. To seek the Lord and to work to please the Lord brings personal and national peace. That's a big statement. Let me just start with this bottom part, right? Is that over and over again, God gives promises and we'll see another one when we get to chapter 16 this morning. But when God's people, when people turn to God, the living God, they set aside their paganism, they set aside their worldliness, they make a repentant turn, turning away from the things of the world, turning to God, is that God comes, He promises, He brings a radical blessing. Not just to an individual life, but to a nation. Right? And our nation, just look... Right? No other nation. You could argue all history has been blessed. Why? Because we were based upon the Judeo-Christian, the commands of God. The whole reason we have a Saturday and Sunday off is because of the Sabbath and the day of the Lord. And on and on and on. Right? God will bless. And that's not just an Old Testament promise. It's a New Testament as well. But also what He promises, if you forsake Him, He will bring His judgment. And that's usually what happens to every nation. Just look at Rome, look at Greece, right? And what happens is when the world takes over, right, is it's a push away from the commands of God. Again, I challenge you, look anywhere in history. When you push against God's sacredness of marriage, God's order of man and woman, His order of everything, right, when you push against that, no nation can stand. When the family falls apart, the nation falls apart. And when the man's character falls apart in a nation. A nation, there's never been a nation that's lasted, that stood strong, where the character of the men of that nation has fallen. Um, And so this little piece right here that talks about the men of valor, why is that in there? Why does it list out the number, and why is it defined as mighty men of valor? Because any time you have a mighty nation, you have mighty men. David, why over and over again does it talk about David's mighty men? These were men of valor. These were real men. These were men who understood the commands of God, were courageous, and understood their God-given role to protect and provide a safe place for women and children to be mighty men when it comes to lead right in their families. There is no greater need of the hour today in our nation than to restore proper, healthy, biblical masculinity Amen. and to save our boys. Yes. Bottom line. Every single social ill we're dealing with today can be tied to fatherlessness. And fatherlessness is not just an inner city problem. It's a problem in Aspen. It's a problem everywhere where a father has not been taught himself how to train up his son to be a man of valor. And when that happens, you have generations who grow up, right? And we know, right, the, what happens, right? The, the falling away, right, of that. So I want to share couple uh, quick things. Um, but um, folks, again, this, this principle, and we see it with the kings. As the king goes, the nation goes. As men go, the nation and culture go. We'll talk about ladies here in just a second. Um, for the sake of time, I'm going to go to this verse here. Folks, this is a prophetic um, word from a doctor, Dr. Marion Levy, back in the 60s. I want you to listen carefully to this. 
Our young are the first people of whom the following can be said. If they are males, they and their fathers and their brothers and sons and all the males they know are overwhelmingly likely to have been reared under the direct domination supervision of females from birth to maturity. After all, this has never held true of any substantial proportion of any population for even one generation in the history of the world before the last 50 years. But most of those living today will live to see what this will look like. And we're living in it right now. Folks, um, a little boy is the only thing that God can use to make a man. And to make a boy a man, he needs a man to show him what it is to be a man. Right? And uh, you might be sitting here, ladies, and saying, well, wait, what, what about us? Let me just say a couple things here <clears throat> that I think is real important. Is the lie of the world is that to raise up femininity, we have to uh, push down masculinity. And this is a lie, folks, that we're in the midst of right now. Um, and the consequence for men's lives is, and boys, is, is pretty tragic. Again, There's no time in history where the character of men falls. A nation falls. And when a nation falls and the commands of God are rejected, what happens to women? They they bear the brunt of the abuse. The children bear the brunt of the abuse. What needs to happen is we need to raise up men of valor who again will make their proper stand to protect and honor women for who they are, their beauty, and protect them uh, in this nation. Understand what that's all about. Does that make sense? Um, I heard this great story, um, I read it this week, and it just had me thinking because it was from several decades ago. Um, A high school principal wanted to provide for a bunch of the uh, kids in graduating class opportunities to hear from the armed services opportunities. So we invited each of the Army, Navy, and, um, and the Marines um, and Air Force to come in and to give a quick presentation in a vast um, you know, uh, auditorium with all the kids. Well, the first, and, and this is very biased toward the Marines, by the way, but put that aside. Um, and they each had only 15 minutes to give them give a talk. First one got up, he overused his time. Come on, kids, you know, and whether it was the Air Force, uh, Army did the same. Overused his time. And uh, um, the Air Force overused his time, and the Marine was left with two minutes. And the Marine got up there, and I just love this. And he had two minutes to go. And uh, and all these kids, they'd heard now from three you know, different uh, proposals why they need to come. And he just got up with one minute. He stood and he just stared at everybody. Just locked his eyes and all the boys in that auditorium. For a whole minute, seemed like eternity, and he just locks on them. And there you people are wrestling, getting uncomfortable. He just looked them right in the eye. And then he stepped back, he said this. I doubt there's more than three of you in here who are capable and tough enough to be Marines. I want to see three of you back talking to me after this. What do you think happened? whole place flooded to him. But I want to propose something. What if we did that today? I can tell you exactly what would happen. If anybody stood up today in a, a gathering of, of students today and said, 
looked around. I don't think any of you can hack it. Maybe three. What would happen? You have a freaking outcry from the administration saying, that's abusive. You're making them feel terrible. You're not making them feel adequate. And you have a bunch of kids who would not respond because they would be set back from that and feel what? Just think about that. Because we've taught our young men to lead their lives by their feelings rather than faith and character. Um, that's just one illustration of many. This has become a very personal thing for me, obviously having four daughters, one son who I've had to, before God, figure out how to make him into a godly man of valor. And, um, but four daughters. And so this made me awaken. Like, man, Lord, you better raise up these some mighty men, right, to take these wonderful ladies. And uh, it's given me a chance to think and to get intentional Right about, okay, how are we going to get together? We're going to, yes, we're going to go on a big elk hunt all together, but we're not going to just have fun on venture. But here's some stuff to read. We're going to dive in deep. What does it mean to be a man and to know how to love your wife sacrificially as Jesus calls us to and to lead your family and to protect your family, right? And I just say this to any of you men is that if most of us have not been taught that, this is what the church is about. And I just throw it out to you again. Maybe there's just three of you. <laughs> right? Uh, whatever it takes, right? Is that we need to dive in. This is what discipleship is all about. Are you loving your wife? Has someone taught you how to be the priest, the protector, the provider, to love her sacrificially and lead her well so she blossoms into everything God has beautifully created her to be? Hallelujah. Do you know how someone taught you how to lead your family, protect your family? From the, from the lies of the world, right? And to raise your children up in, as the scripture commands us, in the ways of God. And if you have sons, how to make them mighty men of valor, right? Um, we have got to engage with each other on this. And we're going to offer some things this fall, but please talk to us. Every one of us, man, we need help. This is tough. We need to encourage one another, right? Along the way on this. And so, let me go back. Um, oh, I guess that's, that was it. I want to go about one more. I just want to point out a couple things. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Like He loved the church. That's a mighty man of God. And you can only do it if you're a man of God. And we need help. Because most of us did not have a father who taught us how to do that. And 6.4 says, Fathers, raise your children up in the ways of the Lord. Do not exasperate them. No one's taught us how to do that. We've got to get a handle on this. Right? 1 Corinthians 16, I love this. Paul's admission at the end of it. Stand, watch, stand in faith. Act like a man. Yes. Right? God has created uniquely, Right? And it is men who hold this, right? And if when the character of manhood dies, a nation dies. And folks, we are, we are I'm putting a shot across the bow. We are in desperate times. And our young men are suffering for lack of a vision for what it is to be a man. Not be abusive, not be over here in macho or everything, but to be a man of valor. 
who's fighting against the evil and who knows how to treat a woman and honor her and walk with her and how to lead a family effectively. It is the church and only the church that can do that. It is only the context of discipleship. I ask you to engage, whether it's here or where you go back to, it's time to raise up mighty men of valor. Does that make sense? You with me? Yes. All right. Um, so, number 20. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to take time to read. I encourage you to read chapters 14, 15, 16 here. But um, what happens is a prophet comes and blesses them again. And... Um, uh, but what happens immediately in verse 9 is he's got this time of peace and, and, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's hit with this radical trial. And it's radical. And so the lesson is this. Peace will never last in this world until Jesus returns and unites all things in heaven and earth. Do you realize that? Peace will never last in this world. I don't care how much you do, how much... Political, whatever it is you do, whatever anybody does, we need to work for it always. Peace will never last in this world until Jesus returns. And again, just prove it's the history of the world. It can never last. Why? Well, it's why Jesus had to come. Justice is needed in this world. Love, and we need a godly, right? We need God to get involved here and restore. And that's the promise to Jesus restore everything in heaven and earth again. It's not until He comes at full justice. Full grace of God, why we're coming in at that moment. Um, no, no matter our greatest achievements, our greatest technology, man can never instill peace for very long. This is the story of the kings. This is the story of history. Is we are sinners. And the course of history of the world should prove that to anyone, no matter how humanistic you are. No one can argue from history and any other things. Peace is impossible. Of a God getting involved. But here's the good news. Until then, we need to be watchful and ready for the testing of our faith, the strengthening of our faith, the outworking of our faith to bring lasting peace of the gospel to human hearts. And so, with the, the goodness of Jesus coming, he says, Hey, there's not going to be peace in this world until I return. But here's the good news I'm working through the gospel and peace coming into human hearts, every tongue, tribe, and nation in the world that can have peace with God. Waiting right upon his return. Okay? The amazing story in chapter 15 is in this great time of peace out of nowhere comes a million man army up from Ethiopia, from Libya, basically northern Africa has come historically against Asa. A million men. So his mighty men line up. They, they hear out of nowhere. Man, it's like a horde. It, they're more than double their numbers. And he rallies his mighty men. They make a stand before a million man army. And if you just read the story, it's great. And immediately, Asa's standing with his mighty men, and he's like, Oh Lord, help us. We call upon you, God. We rely on you completely. And what happens? God gets involved. And he defeats a million men army. Now just hold on to that testimony. That's amazing. Supernatural amazing. And then a prophet comes and brings a blessing right to... Uh, um, to Asa and they have more peace 
and that God has blessed him and you read chapter 15 about this wonderful prophecy over him and uh, the peace that comes because they relied upon God. Now years have come by now and we're going to step into chapter 16 and that brings us to our last point here. Um, lesson 21. And uh, um, this is mainly chapter 16. Be watchful for drifting faith which leads to rebellion rather than repentance, and a hard heart rather than a pure whole heart, trusting in the promises of God. Here we have again a king, a nation that experienced an unbelievable supernatural blessing of God. And God's promise, if you will seek me, you will find me. If you obey me, I will bless you, your families, and the whole nation. And time moves on and they got comfortable in the time of peace. And their faith got comfortable. And all of a sudden, Asa hears about, man, there's some disturbance. We've got my, the northern kingdom, Basha the king, is coming and fortifies things. He's moving in on us. And if you just read it, it's shocking. Asa does not go to God. He just goes to politics. And he signs a treaty, which when you read it, it sounds pretty brilliant. He goes to the king of, of, um, of, Damascus, of Syria, and he offers him a bunch of stuff. If you will just go after King Basha, we will be committed to you. We'll be in, it's a treaty. And it works. And Basha pulls back. You read it, you go, man, that's some good, uh, serious foreign policy there. That was fantastic. Um, and, but he never once asked the Lord. And so that picks us up here in chapter 16. At that time, verse 7, Hanani, the seer, the prophet, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. What the Lord is saying is, You didn't ask me. I would have protected you. I would have not only put the um, Basha, the northern kingdom, you know, under you, but I would have put all of Syria under you. Just... Obey me. And now he says, now both are lost. Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge army, a million man army, with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, don't miss that. And I want to ask you, you know, each of us should ask us, how are you relying on the Lord right now? In your daily life, in all the things of your business, your health, your everything else, how are you relying on the Lord? Is He the first go-to for you? For me? Yet because you relied on the Lord, He gave them into your hand. Now listen to this promise. Verse 9. This is a famous promise of God. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards Him. That means wholehearted. What a promise! And so it just struck me this morning as I was preaching, I look and map on my wall in my office, the world, there it is, you know, the flat world. Wow, Lord. You're looking all over the smallest little places in the world, the biggest little places. Your eyes are looking for the person, anyone. Don't matter how famous, don't matter how much money they have. What matters is who out there has a heart? Who's praying to me? Who's relying on me, desperate for me? I'm going to come. I'm going to come to them and I'm going to expand a little bit. Where today on Sunday morning in America, where's the church? Where's the church who truly is relying on God 
and wants to meet with him and honor him, that he would come and his presence and show his great support right, for that church. You can read the rest of this. Um, and it goes on. Well, I'll read it because it leads us to my last point. Verse 11, the acts of Asa from the last two... And, oh, I messed something important here. What, how did Asa respond to the prophet? Now, up to this point, the prophet has come to him and he's embraced the word of God. He's relied upon God. What happened to Asa? He got comfortable. He stopped relying on the Lord. He, he lit his faith. Faith has to be fought for. You can't just have faith and show up at church and I got faith, I'm a Christian. And Faith is either hardening, disappearing, or it's growing. It is not. It's a precious gift. It has to be, be nurtured and tested and, and stepped out in and, and to trust the Lord. And, and something happened to Asa here that can happen and does happen to every single one of us. And then Asa got angry with the prophet, with the seer. He put him in stocks in prison, the man of God. For he was in a rage. What happens when we get comfortable doing things our own way and someone brings a rebuke into our life? Either our heart is broken and convicted by that or, guess what? We get angry. And that anger goes straight to God. He was in a rage because of this and Asa inflicted cruelties upon some of the people at the same time. So you just see this hardening of Asa. The acts of Asa from the first to last are written in the book of the kings of Judah of Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, listen to this, Asa was diseased in his feet and his disease became severe. Yet, even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord but sought help from the physicians. I want that to settle deep inside you. And Asa slept with the fathers, dying in the 41st year of his reign. <clears throat> I want to end this time um, because one of the key areas in our life that each of us can really have examined to really determine, man, are we, am I relying on the Lord? Am I trusting the Lord? Is our mental and our physical health. And folks, what I'm proposing to you is something that you, I just ask you to think about it, review the passage, the scripture about, are you relying on the Lord for your mental and physical health? Or have we been taught as Westerners here in America in the church to do what Asa did and just rely on the physicians and not pursue the Lord? And so I just want to give you a couple things as we close this time out. Five things, specifically biblical things, um, that I think are, are so key to each of us to recalibrate my faith, the fight of faith, when it comes to my mental health and my physical health that we have not been taught, we have not modeled, and we have fallen under this idea, well, all right, medicine is the gift of God. It sure can be. And it is. But the question is, am I relying on God or that gift? And am I falling? Have I just, is my faith become numb and comfortable just like Asa? Or am I fighting? Am I fighting for faith? Right? And so quick, here they are. Getting to you. First one is this. Oh, that's uh, 16.9. So what does reliance on God look like for mental and physical health? First, first thing we should do when I'm here with a mental issue, physical issue, is this. 
Is this mental or physical ailment a result of God's discipline? If so, repent and trust for healing. James 5. Where's that? Anything that hits you, anything that hits your family, your children, are, are those right close to you. Y'all come on up. Is that the first place I go? How many churches obey James 5? If you're sick, come to the elders. Let them anoint you with oil. Confess your sin. In other words, do the work it takes to get right with God. And then come and ask for healing. And it says the prayer of faith will bring healing. Wow! That's the first step. That's James 5. Second thing, if the Lord says it is not from discipline. In other words, you search your heart. You take time before God. Lord, I'm relying on you with whatever this issue is. Depression, whatever, mental, physical, whatever the issue is. And if you say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm clean for it. I've confessed my sins. I there's nothing that, that I think brought this on because of, of, of my sin, of my not relying on you. Then the next thing is very clear. If it's not discipline, then ask the Lord for healing. If he tells you, like he did Paul with his thorn, that it is good for you, then stop praying for healing. Press on in faith, trusting that your strength is made perfect and your weakness is grace is sufficient. That's 2 Corinthians 12. That's Paul's thorn. He prayed three times. The Lord said, no, Paul, I've given you that thorn, right? Because of, to make you humble and dependent on me, and in your weakness you'll be strong. My grace is sufficient for you. So the next thing I do is, Lord, is that I pray, Lord, please, heal me of this. Give me insight. And if he does not tell you specifically, like it did Paul, that there's a reason for this, so embrace it, it's going to make you stronger, right? Then move on. But if he does tell you that, then stop praying for healing. Embrace it as, Lord, this is, this is going to be my thing because it's going to force me to rely upon you. But make sure, here's the key in all of these, you've got to hear from the Lord. And you can't have somebody else tell you that. You can't rely on somebody else's prophetic word or anything else. You and me, we have to go before God, hear His voice on this. This is called relying on Him. He promises He will speak to the one who seeks Him. Right? Third one. If God doesn't tell you He isn't going to heal you, then press Him for healing. Wait upon the Lord. Fight for faith. Until He tells you, no, I'm not going to heal you. What do we do? We press in. We use this opportunity to fight for faith. Lord. And some things, folks, I know personally have to be fought. It's not just always, it's healed and it's done. You know what? The enemy was going to come steal that healing. Some things, especially mental stuff, you've got to fight for it. You've got to fight for the fruit of the Spirit. You have to stand on God, call upon Him, and move through dark times of trusting, fighting, right, with faith in Him. Does this make sense? Yes, this isn't sitting back. This isn't like, oh, I went to the doctor, I got this. No, you've got to press in with God. He's looking for people who are going to press into His presence, take Him at His word, and keep at it until there's clarity from His voice. Not anybody else's voice, but His voice to you. And yes, we all come and help confirm that voice, right? Fight. Number four, ask the Lord if you're free to get medical advice. (laughs) Now folks, let me just ask you. Do you pray and ask God, Lord, do I need to go to the doctor? Or you just go to the doctor? You just get on WebMD or whatever it is. Who's your great physician? Who do you trust? Who is, who are you, who am I relying upon mainly? The medical world? Or the great one who knits your entire being together and knows everything going on? So Lord, do I go to the doctor? And if so, pursue medical help. It's a blessing. Right? 
But bring, now here it is, whatever they tell you. Do you take that back to the Lord? Do I need to do this? Do I need to take that pill? Do I need to do this opera? Whatever the issue is. Do you take time to let God be your physician? We wonder why we don't see mighty things of God. We wonder why we don't hear the speaking voice of God today. Because we're not fighting for faith. I'm speaking to myself here. But Lord, folks, I could give you testimony in my own life, even recently. The Lord has taken me to a deep place and shown me how if I want truly Him to do something in my body, I have to fight for it. And it's a, it's a battle. Right? It's a battle. Final one. We must learn to fight for our healing by faith. To build our faith. To build the church's faith as we journey and battle with each other. As we fight for each other. For freedom. Real freedom. Real healing. To hear the, vo- the Lord's voice. Stay at that place. What has the Lord told you? Have you ever heard anything? You keep fighting. You keep pursuing. Lord, speak to me. Show me. To attain our healing. And to keep our healing. The enemy's going to steal it. He's going to rob it from you. He's going to try to. God is our healer. He's our great physician. We've got to fight for faith, folks. And I think in this day and age, we start right here. There's nothing more searing inside each of us and reveals where my faith is before God when it comes to my mental and physical health. How am I how am I relying on God? And folks, if that's just all new to you, if that just like seems like freaky zone to you, man, press in with us. Press in with the Word of God. Go test this. What am I saying? Is it true to the Word of God? And let's encourage each other. Let's help each other fight. We all get weak. We all need strong shoulders to lean up against. We all need to lock arms with each other and press in on this stuff. Who's willing to fight and continue to press in to hear the voice of God rather than bounce out? And stop the fight of faith. Right? And please don't misunderstand anything I say here. God has given the whole medical world. It's a blessing. Except I am shocked. I'm going to just say this. The AMA and the CDC, when they start being confused about where a man is and a woman is, and that man can breastfeed, we're in big trouble, folks. That tells me, I'm going to tell you right now, you don't take a freaking word from any of that junk going on. You better press in to the one and only great physician because it's a wacky world even in the medical world today of what's going on alright does that make sense gang it's just truth it's just truth so Father thank you for this morning and God uh, Lord thank you I know you've been working on my heart Lord and convicting me Lord about my, my it's so easy to, man, I just want comfort I don't want to keep battling I want to keep pressing in to, to get your word but Lord that's how you do this. That's why you make us wait. And how I hate waiting for an answer, God. I want it now. Lord, that's the whole point of faith. Trusting you. Lord, let your church again restore a healthy view of faith. To love each other, to pursue each other, Lord. May we see your mighty works again among your people, Lord. We love you, God. We love you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.